Hello and welcome to the Shape of Work, a podcast series by Springworks. My name is Anoop and I am your host. Each week we'll be talking to top people managers across the world on the future of work and how it's shaping our workplace. So sit back and get ready to find out more from these movers and shakers as we have a no holds barred anything goes conversation with them about their journey, their insights, their thoughts, and most importantly their ideas and vision for the workplace of the future. Join in on the conversation. Leave a comment and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast. In this episode today we have with us Raman SR who has done his MBA from XLRI Jamshedpur and now working as a chief people officer at Log9 Materials. Hi Raman, thank you for coming and joining us today. How are you? Hi Riddhi, first of all thank you so much for the opportunity uh, you know to you as well as the Springworks team for having me here. Uh, really feeling excited to be part of the podcast uh, the work that Springwork does it's really exciting and okay. so eager to share my perspective on everything hr and beyond and also eager to learn from you okay it's pleasure having you here raman so raman just to set some context about you and what you do can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your career journey till now of course well uh, i like to be called uh, an engineer by chance and an hr practitioner by choice i have uh, nearly 14 years of work experience across sectors such so as information technology professional services tech products deep tech electric vehicle r&d and manufacturing industry and during this time i played various roles across talent planning acquisition business partnering hr strategy development organizational transformation project people analytics team management leadership development and culture at log9 as the chief people officer i'm responsible for articulating and executing the people's vision values and culture code and for heading all the hr functions of the company my role involved scaling the company nearly three times from 95 people to about 300 plus two to six offices building a compelling employer brand with a glasgow rating of 4.5 building the people philosophies around culture growth rewards and also launching industry first people programs across r&d manufacturing sales and operation functions of the company prior to logline i was leading the global people and culture charter or in mobi technology i also worked with organizations like sap where i was leading hr for various teams in india and at deloitte in various leadership roles that included global hr business partner and chief of staff uh, during that time i played roles in the areas of workforce planning career development of young engineers policy changes retention diversity and inclusion and employer brand i've completed my engineering in computer science from bit mysore and my mba from xlri won the nhrdn Young Leader Award in 2016, and I love to write. Authored many articles on HR, and I've spoken in forums such as Great Place to Work and People Matter. Uh, during my free time, I enjoy music. I love to read books, love to work out, and uh, spend a lot of time with my canine companions, Tivi and Riley. I live with my family in Bangalore. That's oh, about me. Okay, so there's a plethora of everything. I'm sure today we'll get a lot of content from our conversation. Okay so talking about your role you are chief people officer so you now handle a large employee base and that is and definitely it's a journey and at some point in time it's really challenging to manage everything so i just wanted to ask you like how do you ensure uniform and great employee experience while handling a large employee base because it's not easy to reach out to everyone and talk to everyone in a one to manner so what is your strategy like how do you think you maintain great employee experience To me, employee experience is all about uh, managing expectations and delivering over and above expectations of what people have. I think uh, people, especially in a large uh, company, 
come with a lot of aspiration. It's very important that at the entry point itself, which is during the recruiting cycle, the expectations about what the company values, what its culture is, what's the kind of growth that they will see in the company, what are the kind of benefits, what are the kind of policies, what are the kind of perks, is very transparently communicated to them. And at the same time, what's the kind of work environment that they will be provided? And when this is communicated, the expectation that a person has when they transition from a candidate to an employee is that that gets addressed. So it's extremely important to ensure that all layers of the organization, right, from the immediate manager all the way to the topmost leaders, live and breathe this communication. What that means is that they enable the employee experience. For the large company where, you know, company continuously scale, it's also important to keep in mind that individuals come with different thought processes about how they want to grow. So it's also very important to help customize their journey within the organization. Just to give you an example, okay. a company which is in the R&D space as well as, you know, has sales and operations as well as has manufacturing, the kind of individuals who join, they have very different personas. One, they have very different knowledge, skills, and abilities. They come from very different backgrounds. Yeah. And the third thing is that in addition to that, they also are belonging to a very different demographic segment. You know, there are some people who are extremely young. They're a Gen Y. They're probably started or college or probably coming to join the company as interns. Then there could be people who could be, say, working mother who are probably transitioning into the company. Or there could be individuals who are probably, you know, closer to being a senior citizen who are in the late stage of their career. And each of them comes with a very different set of aspirations. So it's very important that A, at a macro level, there is alignment in terms of communication, of thinking about various aspects. And at the same time, at the micro level for individuals, that journey, that experience is created. How can companies create that? There are various mechanisms. So one of the first things is putting the purpose ahead of, you know, upfront you know, in front of the candidates, in front of the employees. Why does the company exist? Second is in terms of the company's vision. Third is in terms of the company's mission, core values. How are people expected to operate in the company? How are they expected to take decisions? And then help them understand that with a lot of clarity and meaning. The second way it could be done is to create processes and programs which can enable that experience. Now, if you have a workforce which is primarily in person, It's very important to engage with them in person. What that means is if it's a work from office setup, then it's very important to have in-person one-on-ones, type etc., getting to know people better. But if that flexibility doesn't exist and it's a remote setup or a hybrid setup, then it becomes all the more important for informal coffee catch-ups to convert into more structured one-on-ones where their aspirations, you know, their expectations of the work environment, where their uh, thinking, you know, can be addressed and, uh, you know, they can be provided help. So across the entire hire to retire life cycle of a candidate all the way to an employee and an alumni, what I call as a colleague for life, this experience, this expectation needs to be managed and then that needs to only get better. And this can only happen through some clear, transparent communication which is consistent at a macro level, but customized for unique individuals who come with different knowledge, skills and abilities and at the same time from different demographic backgrounds. Yeah, very rightly said. As you mentioned that even the employee experience are very much depend on how the organization work and what kind of culture are they working in. You know, every organization has a culture ingrained in them and even some organization has a very distinct culture, which is quite visible. So I just wanted to ask you, like, how does an organization really define culture to ensure that it is actually ingrained in the employee? 
especially now as we have a virtual setup of teams. So how do you ensure that the organization is living that culture? So there's a famous saying, right? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. I'd like to add to that. I'd say it eats strategy for brunch, lunch, and dinner as well. Okay. And uh, why, why that is important, Riddhi, is because culture is like the glue that holds the organization together. It's the way people behave. It's the way people operate. And people experience the culture when they work with each other, right? Yeah. Uh, the concept of work is not new. It's been there in a lot of philosophical you know, textbooks as well. But today, in today's day and age, somewhere, you know, we have the expectation or candidates have the expectation that culture is all about benefits and perks, but that's not the case. It's how you operate, how you work. So in an organization which is expecting to scale, right, bringing in more people, every time you add people to the organization, they come with their own values, their own thinking, which kind of, in some sense, dilute the initial culture a bit. So it's extremely important to communicate the culture and make sure that the culture gets inculcated in various processes. So let me give a couple of examples, right? When it comes to communication, there are various channels that an organization has. Uh, there is the onboarding channel where the new hires get to experience what the company is all about, where the culture could be communicated. There is town halls, there are larger group meetings, there are small group meetings, there are rewards and recognition ceremonies and more. Right? So in these events, it's very important that the top leaders of the company are able to codify the culture, use very simple language to communicate what is it that they value, put that down on paper on the walls of the company so it's clearly out there and visible. Ensure that they also build some stories into that narrative, which means that if say, there is a value which says integrity, yeah. now what does that integrity mean? Right? Uh, so there needs to be some language that helps decode what integrity means for the company. And at the same time, some story where the company you know, stood tall and took a decision which was something that demonstrated integrity for people to help relate. People really, really remember stories. They may forget words, but they always remember stories. Yeah. So that always works. The second piece of it, apart from communication, is to ensure that culture gets reinforced and embedded in various processes. For example, the performance management process, right? Can companies create a process in which there is an expectation that if somebody needs to grow, for example, somebody needs to get promoted, very important that they are demonstrating the values and those values get decoded into very clear expectations that the person is expected to fulfill at that particular career level or that particular designation. And when they get communicated and the person accomplishes them, there is obviously that promotion event that can come along. In a very similar way, if it has to do with feedback, if there are certain behaviors that the individual is demonstrating and certain behaviors that the individual is not demonstrating, it's very important to create some kind of a 360-degree feedback mechanism to help the individual know that those are the behaviors which can help the individual get better and align their thinking with the culture. And beyond this, also who you recognize and who you reward influences the culture, right? So when people are recognized for their efforts, it's very, very important for organizations to codify that in the lines of, or in the language of the culture. Yeah. So whatever culture code, you know, say there is a behavior which says agility. So how did this person demonstrate agility, yeah. which helped this person secure success? 
and positive outcomes. That needs to be clearly brought out. So everybody, when they're looking at this person being recognized in a public or open forum, they get to see that this person is being recognized for demonstrating this value. And here is how they ended up doing things. And that kind of gets assimilated and populated across everybody else. And when these two happen together, the communication and the assimilation of culture and values, it's a win-win for everybody because then it's not just the thinking, but the processes also enable the overall culture to grow. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. The points you have given is amazing and you explain with the examples the one storytelling i think it's a great approach to explain so yeah and okay moving on to next question one thing we cannot avoid in a conversation is the last few years that include the pandemic which pushed significant changes in working patterns so every organization uh, big or small is exploring creative ways to find talent and shaping the future of hiring process so in your opinion like what is the primary approach of identifying talent great question the i think uh, uh, what we have seen in the last 10 to 15 years especially in india is that uh, the information asymmetry which existed earlier about what careers people can really take up that has come down and it has come down because of various tech platforms you have so many different platforms right from glassdoor to ambition box to fora to dare to compete and many of these platforms along with youtube and other social channels like facebook provide you the opportunity to understand more about various career disciplines and you know how you can really build a career in say one area versus another okay now because people have the information there are also learning platforms which enable people with knowledge and skill you know all the learning platforms which are out there they help you know get people upskilled yeah so what's probably important for companies to identify top talent is then focus less on knowledge skills and abilities and focus more on value alignment right or culture alignment now what i mean by that is that as organizations are really really focused on getting work done you know having people come in with a different point of view disrupt the current way of thinking innovate you know help with creating strategies help with creating structures it's essential that uh, they keep in mind that a lot of learning that the individual may end up having is on the job and a lot of learning that the individual can do is through forums you know like these like a podcast you know like reading book you know some of these learning platforms some of those knowledge sharing platforms that i spoke about earlier so then it boils down to saying that if i have to you know work on creating say a product you know what kind of values do i want the individual to demonstrate and this is the hard part because values you know get developed in an individual over many many years yeah. you know it's essentially summation of the experiences that you've been through how you were born how you were raised you know what kind of schools you went to what kind of peer groups you had especially for entry level professionals and for uh, professionals who are you know mid or uh, senior career stage the companies that they work with and the kind of cultures that they experience there and how decisions get made there how do people operate right so it's very important that uh, one way to identify talent is to create some value based assessment for example today if you know you have to recruit a software engineer yeah. you would go to a platform say hacker rank hacker earth yeah. and then you know run an assessment on coding skill you would pick up a programming language and you will have them answer all the questions which is great that is testing for fundamentals but beyond that if there are value based assessments which could be created for example if the company values authenticity right if the company values honesty 
Now, these values can be codified into scenarios where you are put into a situation in the assessment where you know there is a question and you need to go forward and solve a problem, keeping that value in mind. How would you do that? Right. So that would help you as an organization to understand what kind of people would really, really work well, yeah. which is one very, very creative way, I feel, and will be, you know, a way that most organizations will start recruiting for talent in the future as well. Yeah, I think love the insights you bring in. And yeah, as you mentioned, upskilling is the key to achieve because of course, what we are now will get outdated in five years. So definitely upskilling is the only key where we can, you know, identify talent. Yeah. So as you know, I was going through your articles. I must say it's very informative and structured. So you. you stated in one of your article that intent needs to precede regulations and for a human resource to be strategic, intent needs to precede policy. So could you expound on that idea a little bit more so that our listener would get a clear understanding on this? Absolutely. I think uh, the article that you're alluding to has to do with you know how HR can be more strategic. Yeah. So let's break that down, right? Um, okay. HR can either be a policeman okay. or HR can be an enabler, right? Typically, if you look at traffic signal versus a roundabout analogy, right? Both serve the same purpose. You know, there are four roads or two roads, two or more roads meeting at an intersection and you have a traffic signal which gives you a green light, red light or an amber and they make the decision for you. Whereas in a roundabout, you know, you achieve the same outcome, but you make the decision, right? Yeah. And if you look at it, right, roundabouts are much more faster where the decision making is with the driver as opposed to being with someone else who's controlling the traffic signal. So HR as a discipline traditionally has been focused on playing a cop, in specific a traffic cop, you know, asking people to do certain things and don't do other things because of various policies that they've built. But the interesting bit is that policies are always created for a point of time. They always evolve. and the way our overall, you know, world is changing, if you look at how it's changing from a macroeconomic standpoint, how it's changing from a social standpoint, how it's changing from a political standpoint, how it's changing from a job market and job creation standpoint, there are just too many variables to account for to hold a policy in absolutely black and white and say this can be done, this cannot be done. Because policies will take time to evolve. Now, if someone... Some people come up with requests which may not necessarily align with the policy. How can HR then really help them? Do they go back to the rule book and show the rule book and say, here is what the rules are. Please do go read it and, you know, uh, basis this, uh, let me know what you want. Or can they really, really understand the challenge or the problem, right? Which is where the question of intent comes in. If the intent is to help people have more ownership over their growth, over their careers, right at an organization then hr needs to play that role of being a roundabout mm-hmm. as opposed to a traffic signal mm-hmm. right i can take an example so one of the organizations that i'd worked with government of india was coming up with a regulation where they said that the maternity leave mm-hmm. uh, will need to be extended mm-hmm. right uh, and they said they will come up with this regulation probably 6 months to anywhere from the date when the notice was released now this organization went ahead and uh, while it looked at the notification, the broader purpose that it was trying to serve was to make sure that women who are in that maternity stage really, really feel that they've been taken care of and being you know, accounted for their own personal needs, especially in that career stage, in that 
you know, stage of their personal life. So this organization went ahead and rolled out the maternity benefits in advance, much ahead of when the government regulation came in. The government regulation or the policy came in after the company made the change. So the company had the intent that they want to create a great experience for women professionals who are undergoing the maternity. But uh, the policy came in later. So this actually showed that in this particular case, the intent actually ended up preceding the policy. And there are numerous such examples where companies have gone ahead and far beyond what the current legislative, the current uh, regulatory requirement from the governments are just to ensure that they keep intent ahead of policy. This creates and shapes a great employee experience. It also positions the employer as a company that truly is progressive, is really caring for its people and not necessarily acting as a policy cop. Things should not be done because they expected to be done. Things should be done because they can create value for people. Yeah, very rightly said. Uh, You have explained it really very well. So yeah, this almost brings us to the end of our podcast. But before we go, what is your message or advice to the young generation that's starting their career in your field? Also, it would be great if you could just share some of the books you think is a must-read book. The HR field is evolving every day, every day. I mean, if you look at how personal management, you know, since the 80s has moved or evolved into human resources management and now you know, we are talking about people and culture as the area of focus. I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow uh, the HR expectation is to help enhance the overall experience of the people, which is also the case today. So with such a rapidly evolving role, very important that uh, budding HR professionals and young folks, you know, who are listening to this podcast, you know, there's a lot of learning out there. But if I were to deconstruct two to three things which can help accelerate your journey in the HR field, those would be these, right? The first is, I think, ensure that you are passionate about something. And it could be anything in the HR field. It could be about creating value for the people. It could be about solving people's challenges. It could be just generally about engaging with people, keeping people happy. It could be about helping people get placed in their careers. Or it could be about building systems which can help companies scale, right? Finding out that North Star is very, very important because it will help you eventually take certain decisions which can help you grow, whether as a specialist or as a generalist or as somebody who is doing, say, recruiting, which is one. The second bit of it is, I think, a lot of us uh, over-index on education and educational degrees. Essentially, these are great ways to signal to the world that uh, you have the degree. There is a lot of learning that comes their way, but even education curriculum aren't evolving at the pace that the knowledge in the HR field is evolving. Yeah. Uh, this knowledge is today available in many forums. It's available on YouTube, it's available on Twitter, it's available on websites like Society for Human Resources Management or SHRM. Yeah. It's available through podcasts like these, it's available through books. So it's, it's essential that you curate your overall learning, not just based on a degree, but also some of these things which are publicly available to you for you to learn. I think uh, podcasts, while they are a great way of learning, it's very important to follow certain thought leaders in this space. There are many out there on Twitter talk about just generally work and how work gets done. Naval Ravikant, for example, is somebody that I follow. And I, there's a whole lot of wisdom, I think, in you know some of the things that he said. So uh, the book, you know, from, which is basically, you know, uh, about Naval Ravikant, that's, that's one book that I would recommend. The other book that I'd recommend has more to do with thinking. 
right? Because the way you think is the way you act at the end of the day. And human resources is a field or people is a field where it all boils down to how you think, right? And how you think eventually helps, you know, you to operate. So one of the books that I really, really find very, very interesting is The Great Mental Models. This book is by Shane Parrish. Uh, he also has a blog called Farnham Street and a podcast. The Great Mental Models is an excellent book because it helps you understand how to think, right? And there are very, very few books which actually talk about uh, the think process of thinking itself because the process of thinking leads you to act and make decisions. The second book, more from an HR context standpoint, the book I'd recommend is uh, the book called um, Catalyze. And this is by Krish Sankar, yeah. who is also the CHRO for Infosys. Again, a book that has a lot of concepts across the entire higher to retire spectrum of, you know, the people and culture piece. And it unlocks various ways in which you can really, really craft amazing employee experiences. And uh, it's agnostic, you know, in terms of which field you belong to. If you are a researcher, you could read it. If you are a people manager, you could read it. If you are somebody who's budding HR professional, you could read it. So yeah, you ask for one, uh, I'd say three books, um, you know, that you could probably read to yeah. do better in the field of HR. Okay. All right. So I'm sure there is a lot of takeaway from the content you have shared today. Thanks for sharing this. Yeah. So this brings us to the end of our conversation, Raman. But before we leave, can you tell our listeners where they can reach out to you? Absolutely, Didi. My pleasure to be part of this conversation. Uh, loved some of the questions and the thinking you know, that got applied in bringing those questions forward. So uh, the best place to reach me is LinkedIn. I am reasonably active there. I'm also available at uh, srkraman at the rate of gmail.com. I'm also there on Twitter, but uh, LinkedIn would probably be the best way to reach me. Okay. Thank you, Raman. It was lovely hosting you today. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. Thanks to you, uh, Riddhi and the Springworks team for uh, bringing me in for this uh, enriching conversation. Look forward to more such conversations in the future. Yeah, sure. Thank you.